This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Does your alcohol tolerance keep holding you back from having a good time? Because I wasn't drunk enough yet to punch her in the face with a fucking brass knuckles or something. Not that I hit women, except when they ask for it. Is blacking out as fast as possible a plus to you? Yes! Then you need a six-pack of Marilyn Manson's Cocaine and Roxy Pale Ale. It helps you be whatever you want to be. Yeah, I want to be AIDS. You want to be AIDS? Yeah. Why AIDS? Because it shares so much with so many people. Don't hesitate to ask your friends honest questions. Like, can I suck on your dick or what? But... Yes! And don't forget to fall in love. Her face already was like an ashtray sewer butthole face hole of buttholes and ashes. Marilyn Manson's Cocaine and Roxy Pale Ale. Fucking fuck fucks. Wait till the apocalypse because I'm going to eat your face off, you cocksucking everyone, etc. Dot, dot, dot. Etc. Dot, dot, dot. I just want to do it double in case I forget the first ellipsis and the first etc. Yes! This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Metal Sucks Podcast here. Uh, I am uh, your host, Petter Spych. I'm always joined by... Brandon Hahn, hello. And... Jocelyn Sharp. Yes, yes, the whole team is here back again. Um, this week, guys, we get to talk to Ben Weinman of the Dillinger Escape Plan. We're going to be talking about his record label, Party Smasher, Inc., and uh, their final shows out there in uh, good old New York um, meanwhile, though, we get to jump in the news. In the news this week, one of the stories that we really wanted to discuss is uh, the dudes from Metal Sucks did write a, a really good editorial about Tim Lambesis and how odd it is to follow him. Now, we're going to touch base first on what was said on the Josta podcast when Nick Hippa talked to him on the Carnifex episode. Because Josta brought up to Nick Hippa, former guitar player of As I Lay Dying, current guitar player of Woven War. And Nick Hippa's comment was, uh, I'm going to have Jocelyn read it verbatim, if you, got, if you may. Jocelyn, can you yes. be Nick Hippa for a second? Yes, this is a dramatic reading. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. Uh, Hold on, let me find some music for you right here. Let's find some music. You got some reading already? Maybe. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like porno music. Well, it's still dramatic. It's just something that not really... Man, I'm on the spot. People ask us about it a lot, but what it comes down to is just like, what makes sense with what we have going on in our lives... And we've got a lot of important things going on that don't relate to that. And we've made commitments to. And that's what we are honoring at this moment. Okay. Okay. And what we were looking for was... No. No. Just a no. Just flat out Just no. (laughs) And Nick Hip is a a very intelligent dude, but he is very, he's very like California surfer dude. That wasn't even a maybe. No, that wasn't. (laughs) That wasn't even a maybe. It was like... He's like, all I want to do is just surf some tasty waves and not work with a murderer or attempted murderer. You know, that's all, bro. I mean, just chill. I got in a shit. I got a lot of trouble from people because I guess there was an episode a few episodes back where we talked about Tim Lambert. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to listen to the new As I Lay Dying record. But why the fuck would you listen to that, bro? What's wrong with you? Well, you're, you're supporting murder. I'm like, I'm just being honest. I'll probably listen to it when it comes out, right. you know? It's and, not like uh, everyone's not going to be listening to it looking for secret clues but, that he's a murderer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will not. All of a sudden, he's just telling you exactly how he is. And then I paid someone to pay. And then he's just like, they're like, whoa, I think he's... Yeah. yeah, but I, what I will not do is 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 uh, in essence buy the record or buy. Just that's the song. I won't buy the record. I won't 
buy a shirt. I won't support Tim. You won't Lambie's. go see him live. I won't go see him live. But like I, I and I, like I said, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. I will listen to. You the will record. listen. You will listen to the record if a promo copy is sent to you for free. Why did you put finger quotes around listen? No, I'll probably end up listening to it on like one of your guys' Apple Music's or something. I yeah. want to hear it. Right. Is all I'm saying. Like, yeah, you my curiosity of like, all right, this is what this guy's bringing after he tried to kill his wife is really high. Well, like, I want to hear the record now. Here's why it could be good, though. I'm sure he built, there was a lot of rage in prison, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe he was talking about some stuff, you know, like just mashed potatoes or whatever. I don't know. Like, he's going to probably sing about what he saw <laughs> he there. He said mashed potatoes. potatoes. Well, hey, that pisses people if, off. If it's based off prison, it's probably going to be like some real... Mashed potatoes in prison. Edgy are, are, shit. Yeah. It's not yeah, going to be yeah. mashed potatoes. I wash my clothes in the toilet, you know, yeah. or whatever. It's something. So the editorial that they wrote was very, very much like dudes. Like, how is us as a metal community, are we cool with this guy that it, uh, failed at killing his wife, which gave him a lower prison sentence, but you, you're not supposed to look at it as a, a failed murder attempt. He's a murderer. Yeah. He's a murderer. If he was successful, she'd be dead. Yeah, that, that's all. He is. That's, so we, and that's kind of what they're saying. Like, so why are we defending him? And they had screenshots of people uh, kind of defending him. And then me, I'm, I'm with the guys. We shouldn't defend Tim Lambesis or support him in our community anymore. But then I got that stupid part of me that's like, well, I still want to hear the record. That's, I don't. But again, you know, like, that's what I'm saying. Why don't I have Jocelyn's attitude? Because I was a supporter for so many years and I really liked their previous records. Because here's another thing. Is maybe, that, maybe you secretly want to kill someone. <laughs> well, that's another thing I'm worried about, right? Maybe I want to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> But you I know if any of us was going to murder at this table, it would be Pete. I think it would be Pete. We oh. let we let our demons out. Yeah, yeah. Pete just internalizes <laughs> I, I them. A lot of yeah, shit. he internalizes them. I can't wait till the day like where I'm on the news going. I never th- knew that side of them. You, and you guys don't get to see this because you can only hear us. But every once in a while, when Gooch interrupts Pete, I see little fires in his pupils, mm-hmm. in his eyes, and his eyes stop blinking, and he just stares right at Gooch with like the hate. Yeah. of a thousand uh, yeah. cultures. Know, yeah, it, it, basically, Pete has been counting backwards from 100 until he murders me i think i'm somewhere around 42 yeah so we got years but it's crazy because people are addicted to stuff you're addicted to cigarettes and alcohol and all this stuff and i'm trying to be addicted to discipline eventually that's gonna break like you know what i'm saying like no do the right you're gonna thing. have a relapse well, eventually i'm gonna relapse from my discipline addiction no you know what's right you know what be a good person but don't harm people and then eventually you're right i'm gonna relapse and just rape and murder right? no you won't you're too nice of i won't a guy. Rape. i'll if never you, rape if you did lose it you would just like go in a Kmart and kick over a bunch of shelves or yeah, something. I would knock, totally. over a wa- would knock over a waterfall of paper towels. I'm out of here. Nobody wants clear Pepsi. I would just fucking rip that display down. Well, dude, like with Pete, it's just like if he ever did now rape and murder. Pete's not capable of rape. No, I know that. Capable. And he's not murder. capable of murder. Well, I'm really not capable of murder. Uh, Brandon wants me to kill him. No, because he, he wants he wants I want to be a martyr. I want, to, I want you to make me the Metal Sucks martyr. He wants Vice to do a documentary about the Metal Sucks yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> just nothing but but uh, yeah, just just a, just a documentary on, without on, our gooch. Yes, a documentary <laughs> of metal sucks and rise to offend, and exactly when we started, when when Pete snapped. You know, that's basically what it is. It was the Tim Lambesis episode. Yeah. That's when Pete had enough. But the thing is, though, is Pete so positive? Like, if he did murder someone and then go to prison, he'd be like, "Dude, it's pretty cool, man." I mean, yeah, you know, it would be. Be fine. Lot, I mean, you got you got an exercise place. You know, the rape ain't that bad. Uh, the food.
food. You could deal with it. You know, just, that's true. People he just love Skittles and club soda. Like, he's, yeah. he's not going to care about the food. Yeah. You know, some guy boofed in a poster, you know, that I put on my wall. What's boof? It's when you stuff something up your ass in the prison. Gross. That's what it's called. That's the term boof. <laughs> Swear to God, you got to boof something in the prison. Look it up. I'm going to look up if there's a metal band called boof. Because there I'm needs sure to there be is. one. Exactly. The boof conspiracy. <laughs> We're boof from Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> on the Tim, Tim Lambesis thing for me, though, it's just like, oh, like we're okay with it just because he's shitty at murder. Like he's just bad at murder. Yeah. That's why he's not a, like he's not in jail for murder. He's in jail because like attempted murder is just you tried. Yeah. Like, like you tried. You go to jail. But it's like you if you were successful, that person would be dead. Right. Right. Like, yeah, and, yeah. I'm completely with you on that. And then so how does she live comfortably? You and, know, and as a fan of, of, of the band, which I, you know, I, I was, um, I can't listen to their records anymore. Just like that, like I was really into the decapitated record, anti cult this year. I was really into it, and then it's like the second that news broke, I was like, I'm not listening to this. But now, anymore. wasn't there news of that? Well, no, no. There, they, there was an update this week, which we can talk about. It wasn't really a big update. They just pretty much are now in Washington. They're all charged with rape, and then the the their lawyer said that the cop stated that there. The cop on the scene stated that there wasn't enough sufficient evidence to prove that there was a rape. Um, so that's still got a long ways to go before we comment on it. But it's it sounds more and more like and that's another thing. What if they do get off? Let's just say let's just hypothetically. Hey, they got off. Are we ever going to not see this cloud around? Well, anytime, that's what I'm saying. Anytime an yeah. accusation like, like that is over, made, right? anytime an accusation like that is made, mm-hmm. there will be people out there that will swear tooth and nail that they're rapists, no matter what, even, even right. despite of the lack of evidence. Because you know? we all know that the, the justice system isn't perfect and there's mm-hmm. not a 100% scientific way to determine guilt or innocence. It's based off of 12 people and whether or not they think you're guilty or innocent. But, so people do walk. People do walk on legitimate things that have happened. Not saying Decapitated did this, but there is a possibility possibility that you don't ever really get justice at the end of the day and things like this when there's no way to know what happened yeah mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't think there is justice like i, I no. say that all the time i know this isn't the program but if someone killed like my friend or my kid and they're in jail oh well wow you jumped I don't, there i don't feel like no i don't feel like there's justice there. yeah that's not justice oh, I mean, but i also don't feel like me killing them is justice i, no. I just feel there is it's, justice is a hard thing to get yeah however um, we do as a society. I would, I would kill who they loved. We do as a society get to get to. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well, those are those, those, that's the theme of many great movies from Miramax Films. And um, Taken, Taken fourteen, Taken twenty. So uh, and <laughs> that's. I mean, that's probably like my. I love revenge movies. Me too. <laughs> I, do too, Me too. Too. I spit on your grave. Taken. You went to I spit on your grave. That is the that ultimate is the, revenge movie. Ooh, you know what movie I loved? One. What revenge movie I really loved is the one with Kevin Bacon. Death sentence? Yes. I didn't dig that one. I loved it. Really? I'm I glad. I, hey, I appreciate John it. John Goodman was in it. It was good, dude. I dug it. Hey, that's usually a prerequisite I, I want, for good. I want John like Goodman real it, revenge. Yeah. That's why I went tight. Like, the I spit on your... I don't watch the rape scene. I can't. What about the... So pay- you just, I just fast forward through it. And then Are you, you talking just, about the remake or the original? The remake. What about... Oh, the uh, remake was brutal. What it was about, <laughs> like, oh. What about uh, Payback with Mel Mc, McJewhater? <laughs> I was like, Mel Gibson? That I saw where you were going. <laughs> Payback was good, but it's not as good as like like Taken was awesome. It's I not mean, technically a revenge movie, but but that's actually a really good point you just brought up. Like Mel Gibson is okay now. Well, it, the he, didn't, he didn't murder anybody, but I mean, dude, he's still, he got he's drunk. Still, uh, he's still making millions of dollars. But here's the thing with Mel, here's the thing with Mel Gibson. Okay, he got drunk. He said something fucked up. Okay, granted, hey, I can understand why millions of people 
don't like him. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's like, hey, look. He, oh, you mean because he he's an anti-Semite? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But the thing is, though, is like he came out, he apologized. You're like, look, the guy was drunk. That whole, when you are as, you know, religious as Mel Gibson claims to be, it's very easy for you to get, for, for people to get brainwashed into thinking that another religion is holding them back. And that's the tough question that we're trying to figure out on this wonderful episode. Of the and Minnesota I'm not saying to forgive Mel Gibson. I'm just when saying do like. You, no, but when do you forgive and when do you not? Are you allowed to never forgive and sure. say this person? Yeah, I, I, I do agree with the sure on that. But like, when are you allowed to say, I'll never forgive this person and I understand that situation? Do you have to actually be in the situation to be like, no, I get it? No. That's what I'm saying. We as a society have to somehow come to terms and make things a little more black and white, I think, when it comes to yeah, our entertainers, sure. well, like we the were, people we support. That's um, a thing. Racism, that racism, violence. Sexism. Yeah. I think what it is, too, and especially like when it's a category of sexual assault or something, where there is such a gray area where people are getting accused for this, and, and this has been happening a right. lot more recently since these accusations Dude, have been brought we, to light. We talk about rape a lot these days. Yeah. A well, it, for years and years and years in our Are culture. Are you talking about I mean, the show? No, just, I, I, okay. just in general. <laughs> just, <laughs> all right, we got a new segment. It's called you know, <laughs> it's, it's called Rape Talk, but I mean, no, I feel this like... This week in rape. Yeah. I mean, uh, rape all, chat. We, we've been, I mean, just in, in general in life, yeah. but I mean, even in like our personal lives, we've been yeah. talking about some rape that's happened, you know, with yeah. the, in the community that we're well, in. Culturally, like, culturally yeah. we lived, I mean, until the late 80s, we lived in a culture that, you know, it was very difficult to get any kind of justice if you were sexually assaulted well it was we lived in a culture of prove it what were you wearing that kind of culture that was happening for a long time and now all of a sudden people are publicly defending sexual assault victims so i think that it's a little bit more but they're publicly defending the shit out of rapists too, too right? i'm not saying it's they're a, not but it's I, like back and forth i'm just yeah. saying this is the first time in our society where we've had such access to each other that if i have been sexual assaulted i can see that yeah there's two thousand people that are going to side with my rapist but there's two thousand people that are going to actually side with me right yeah that's right. different it's true. it's true you know I, and, I, and i think that's that's a step in the right direction and that's the thing is i as i know i'm always positive but i feel like we as a society even though we're in this really weird cloud. We're on an upswing. Yeah, when the rubber band happens, when it comes back our way, like which is going to happen with you know the, the way America is right now, but I again, think everything's going to get better. It see, always, it always needs thing, that death rattle. But here's the thing, It always dude, needs that death rattle see, stupidity. That's the thing. See, what, yeah. you're, what you're saying is that the rubber band effect, a lot of people think that right now with all the social awareness that is going on, it is the best time to be an American. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because, I don't know anybody who thinks that. Dude, I do. I do because it's just like... like uh, On the outside, we're, we're, we feel embarrassed for what the media is presenting us as. Yep. But like in actual day-to-day -day life, for I think a lot oh, of people... Oh, yeah. For 99.9% of Americans, and, you're right. And everybody out there has got to realize we live in a city. City life and the rest of the America is like... I mean, so different. It's, it's, we different. can't even it's different um, worlds compare the two. It's different worlds. That's that's another thing. So when we talk city life, we're talking probably more people that listen from Chicago, New York, L.A., or Vegas understand what we're talking about. But that whole middle part, you know, they're going to be like these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. That's not the life we see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so because cities are going to be more progressive because we're going to see more things. Well, and we also but, see worse things. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, yes, we do see some because and, and that and the thing that always that always goes back to just people being so close to each other. Right. You know, that's what happens. That's why all the crime happens in cities like this, because we are literally on top of each other. But if I, what I've learned, what I've learned in this past few weeks is that when you need help, if there's if you're willing to put yourself out there, I mean, this this city has come together in such a beautiful way. Yeah. It's hard not to have faith in humanity. Well, that's what's and that's the one thing about humanity. It's like you only see the best humanity has to offer in the light of tragedy. That's yeah. That's no, usually that, that, when you that, see it. See, but I, I do disagree. See, I see it all the time. 
I see it all. It's, it's just, a, but I also our see perspective the, is how we look at things and how we experience things and what we take in and, and how we approach things like personality, emotions, all that stuff comes into perspective. Right. But like, if you turn that, turn that negativity, uh, in a certain way, you will see more positivity because there's too many good people yep, in this world. There is too many good now, people. Now, I well, get all mad when, like I said, and, and, and my, the positive news stories don't get the clicks, so we don't see I it. get really, yeah, I get really mad when it's like, oh, no, like, like not to go off topic, but the Harvey Weinstein happened, like Miramax Films and the Weinstein Company has made the movies that I love for the last 30 years forever, and now it's like, am I supposed to support like Pulp Fiction? Am I allowed to watch well, movies I love? Well, the funny thing is, is Tarantino like, yes. came out, Tarantino was even talking about Weinstein, and he's over here like, oh, you know, it's so sickening, what, what, all these accusations are sickening. I'm like, didn't you beat the shit out of some chick not that long ago, Tarantino? Well, let's, that's, what, and that's another thing I, I hate that people do in society. Who, who cares? He's talking about Harvey Weinstein's right. thing. Let's talk about Tarantino's thing. They did that to Ben Affleck, unfortunately. Like he said, this is unfortunate. Well, you're the same. And that's what, that's what I hate is that as a man, as we're men, me and Brandon, and we do live by a very good moral code. We yeah. treat women right. We do not you, cheat. But you would have never done what Ben Affleck did. No, what I, did Ben Affleck do? He grabbed Hillary Burton, the uh, Peyton, he grabbed her breast on Peyton TV. Sawyer from One Tree Hill. She's just, she's just an actor. Do actress. you love that show? I do something? like One Tree <laughs> <laughs> Hill. This is the third time I've heard you bring yeah, it up and wow. no details. Because nobody knows who she is. She's Peyton <laughs> Sawyer from Montreal yeah. Hill. She's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, is that he he uh, he kind of groped her. He looked really drunk and he tweaked like her boob, which is completely inappropriate back in 2001. Especially on television. Uh, yeah. Completely, all the way. But again, he he was saying something positive in the light and then we're going to burn the witch. That's what we do in the site. Just burn yeah. the witch, burn the witch. And I'm well, like, I guys, think people are just like, I, we've had this discussion. I think people are just so full of injustice at this point because we're constantly bombarded with things that happen that are bad that we get no resolution from yes that i think that they're immediately if they feel any kind of injustice their gut reaction is to we feel do what you said we feel that injustice because we're all generalized because yeah. weinstein's a dude that did this and now me and brandon are dudes that because we're dudes we do this too we're all generalized in that crazy thing so anyways yeah that we went we got funny this week so, yeah. so hey nick, well, we just solved the world's problems hey, nick, that's what we do nick hippa when i get to interview you for your next awesome Woven War record, and I ask you that same question. The answer is going to be no. no. All right. Followed by <laughs> dude, no, dude, no. And then we'll talk about Bill and Ted 3, and we'll, 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 bro, we'll, get, we'll get into it. Dude, totally bogus, bro. <laughs> totally bogus. Bro. That's the answer we got to hear, my man. So anyways, yeah, Tim Lambesis, uh, not support him. Metal comedians, we're going to be Step into my office, Tim, because you're fucking fired. <laughs> so <laughs> before we get into, uh, dude, I, before we get into my bucket list interview, getting to talk to Ben from uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, let me tell you guys something. On November 3rd, Cannibal Corpse, Cannibal Corpse returns with their latest Red Before Black. It's produced by Eric Rutan. Uh, Red Before Black once more raises the stakes, proving the soon-to-be 30-year-old death metal veterans are still unstoppable. Catch the band on tour this fall along with Power Trip and Gate Creeper. Pre-order the album and get tour days at MetalBlade.com slash Cannibal Corpse. Once again, MetalBlade.com slash Cannibal Corpse. And I keep mentioning the Black Dahlia murder their latest record, but there, there's a track on that record called Jars. If you guys haven't heard this song, Jars, get out there, get on your Apple Music, get on your Spotify. That song is brutal. I love it. Jars, my favorite new song by Black Dolly Murder, until I get into Widowmaker or something. Anyway, so uh, now, guys, we're, let's jump into our interview. Got to talk to Ben Wyman from Dildra Escape Plan, uh, one of the most important bands without a fucking question in the last 20 years. Um, for sure. We're talking about the end of that band and what's going forward. So let's jump into that interview right now. Hey, everybody. It's Pete with the Metal Sucks podcast. I got Ben Weinman 
from the mighty Dillinger escape plan on the phone today. Um, we are here to talk about many things. Uh, Party Smasher Inc. Records got a new record coming out with the band called Godmother on October 20th. And then we got ourselves the last show from Dillinger Escape Plan, Terminal 5, Manhattan, December 29th. Uh, a lot a lot to talk about, and a lot of changes has happened this last year for you, but I did want to start it yeah. on kind of a kind of a somber, if not sad note, man. Dillinger, you guys, uh, you were on the last tour with Soundgarden. Um, your, yeah. your tribute, when you called them a unicorn, I think was what I heard across the internet after you said it. Um, countlessly, and it was probably the best description of what Chris Cornell meant to a lot of us. So, um, on that tour, if uh, if I may ask, was there any uh, good memories yeah. or anything that was um, just that you can share with us in a positive way? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think ironically, just um, just how good they sounded and how um, amazing he sounded and looked and performed. Um, you know, it's like, again, like I said in that, um, I don't even know where I said it, but, um, yeah, he was kind of like an example of like how to like age, not even like age gracefully, but just, you know, continuously be relevant and, and um, just seem like, just seem like him, you know, seem like, like, like Soundgarden, you know. Yeah, and you had the picture from the side of the stage. I remember that. Like I said, I don't remember the format, but it was on the side of the stage. So you have obviously watched it all happen right there. Um, And how did it feel to get even selected? I mean, obviously, at this point, it's a little somber, but to get selected to tour with Soundgarden at that stage. You did tour with them back in the day with Nine Inch Nails. Don't I remember? We did. Yeah, yeah, I saw them at Planet. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a highlight. It was a highlight. yeah, again, it's like some of those moments where, where bands that you grew up idolizing, like Nine Snails and Soundgarden, when they um, invite you to join them on these shows, it's uh, those are the moments when you really have to reflect on your career and say, wow, I never, ever would have thought I'd be here as a little kid listening to these bands, you know? So um, it felt amazing, you know? It, it's one of the things that helps make you feel justified in all the work and time you put in and then you feel that some of these people respect what you do um, after knowing that they, they were so important uh, such an important part of like your, your your career as far as like influence and all kinds of stuff so yeah, and, and it is one of those things that I found interesting when that tour came up was like on the plagiarism two bands out of like five I think one of them was Justin Timberlake that you guys covered yeah. you're on tour with yeah. <laughs> like how many bands yeah. do that right <laughs> so, um, it's true but, man it's almost like it's like we decided on that EP like who we want <laughs> like we're going to cover the band in the yeah, it's our, it was like our um, what do you call it like our wish board or whatever <laughs> people say you know I'm, I'm going to be on Oprah I'm going to be <laughs> these are my these are my wishes for the future now yeah yeah, it's pretty cool. And it went down, man. And that is, speaking of EPs, I know it's a weird segue. Um, mm-hmm. EPs, a lot of talk is happening now because of the music industry, how EPs are, you know, might be kind of more of a trendsetter right now. But uh, mm-hmm. I've always felt like there's only a couple of great EPs. The the, the highlight for me in, in my life, and, and you can also touch base on that, was always Jar of Flies, Ballast and Chains. I think that was probably yeah. the best EP. And then 
the, the crown was taken over by irony of a dead scene with you guys and Patton. Oh, wow. Oh, come on. Yeah. MVP's flawless, right? And from, from our, our Pat, uh, my standpoint. Point. And, um, so That's since, nice to hear. Yeah, since then, there have been a couple bands that put out EPs that I'm like, all right, these are, these are palatable, but none of them have reached mm-hmm. that irony of a dead scene kind of kind of echelon to me, or Jar of Flies. So do you think that that format um, people are going to have to put a lot more effort into? Um, see, to me, it was always like an EP was an opportunity for you to really just concentrate on, like, a few songs without the weight and the pressure of having to come up with an entire album's worth of material. And... Um, you know, like, like to me, there's no excuse for not putting out something amazing. You know, like, yeah. if, uh, you know, if you're not just doing it for the wrong reasons, you know, like just trying to make some money or trying to like have some reason to tour or something. Um, so, uh, yeah, it surprises me, um, if bands are putting out, and in one respect, I guess it is kind of an opportunity for you to experiment and try new things as a band. So maybe that is, um, one of the reasons why uh, certain artists put out um, maybe disappointing to some, <laughs> you know, music in an EP because they're trying to things. But it's definitely, I guess, in this day and age where people aren't listening to long form albums anymore. Um, they're listening to playlists, they're listening to songs, they're listening, they're just, to, to, they're getting their music in ways that don't really lend itself to sitting through an entire album. Uh, it, it does make sense if you put out physical albums. Um, you might as well just do it like that and then put them out more frequently. Uh, I think I, I, it makes sense to me. And it does, like in a lot of ways, um, like Nine Inch Nails, we just talked about them. They're putting out their EPs, uh, the last two yeah. they did recently. And then uh, Down a couple years ago put out some really solid ones, even like Skid Row. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of bands are, I, th- I feel like they're formatting it to be a full album, but they're stretching it out a little bit. Like they have an album's worth of material, but they don't feel the listener can grasp it all at the time, I guess. So, um, And then there's other bands that I feel they are just kind of putting out the B-side cuts that maybe didn't make them, uh-huh. but they're pretty good. Right. You know, so it's, it's and that's the thing. It's hard to dif- differentiate because of the stigma with an EP. Um, yeah. So, uh, but with a full length, like your your expectations are the follow-up, you know, type of thing to, yeah. to a record. So that's where my mind is kind of a little twisted, but I, I am a little older. So maybe I think the youth might, might yeah. get more. Yeah. You know, well, I think, you know, from my experience of just being in a band for a really long time, the first body of work you put out is really often hard to beat because you're putting out an album where all you care about is just making awesome music. You're not thinking about the money. You're typically working a job or whatever and, and you're just making music and you might be spending a lot of time and a long, uh, like a long time making it and then when it comes out maybe you get signed to a label or whatever you put out the first record and people and it does well um, the expectation of a sophomore release um, that tops it or matches it while you're touring and doing interviews and press and like there's a timeline and there's all these people that want you to get it out a certain time in a certain way it's really hard to um, to like kind of produce under this such different conditions than when you're like putting out your first body work. Um, so in a, in a way, I think EPs make more sense after you establish yourself with a full length because then 
you can really concentrate on putting out the best stuff with the time that you have um, and then go out and perform as well as opposed to just like sitting in your parents' basement writing music for a few years. So with the the label that, you know, Party Smasher Inc. is the label that you're going to be focusing on a lot more now that Dillinger Escape Plan is going to take its bow, um, will mm-hmm. you kind of promote maybe that EP uh, format a little more or, or do you still feel the bands that are on your label, like a band like Godmother, is best served yeah. in a format that is an LP? Well, I think it's it's really um, I think it's really like depends on the band and what they want to do. Um, you know, some people feel like they need a full length album in order to say what they want to say. Um, and uh, I, th- I think traditionally the only reason why, or at least one of the major reasons why people were putting out long form CDs like full length CDs is because you can't really charge. <laughs> the same price for a, for a CD with three songs on it as you can for a CD with like 10, 11 songs on it. Yet the costs of producing it are exactly the same. So, you know, it's very hard to, the profit margin is, is uh, much lower, if not zero, if you're putting out um, albums that you can't charge the price of a full-length record for. I see. Um, so, but in this day and age, it doesn't really matter. People aren't buying albums anyway. So, um, like the party smasher label certainly isn't some kind of like money maker for me. Um, so like that being said, um, yeah, I'd love to be able to put things like shorter form, um, music that are more relevant in the day and age that people can wrap their head around and really like lose themselves in without being distracted, um, and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I love the idea of putting out shorter, shorter albums and stuff. For, for me as a consumer, EPs are always something I do go to the digital format for. I'll go to the iTunes and pick it up. Like I just picked up the Master yeah. one or the Lamb of God one they did last year. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I just feel it, it's more, you know, palatable than a, the actual CD. With a CD or, an, or a vinyl on a full length, you know, I just feel like the artwork might be there a little more intensely. But a lot of bands aren't going mm-hmm. that route either. A lot of times I'll get a CD and it'll be like a flip cardboard with no lyrics or nothing i'm like eh. yeah. <laughs> so, so that's interesting that's always disappointing me so so eps for me yeah. always been in my mindset like a, more of a digital format type of thing um mm-hmm. but again it's uh it's just one of those things where as as times change we all learn together so i i thought yeah and i didn't do the research but i had a i had an ep with a band i, I think you did with brett from bad religion is that right back in the day um, i'm thinking the wrong dude like, I think you're thinking of Era, which was something that Greg Greg sang on. Greg with, um, sang on. Oh, my bad. Yeah. So it was um, when Greg had first joined the band, um, Brett from Bad Religion and, and Owen from Bepetef, um, and this guy Atticus Ross, who works with Nine Nails yeah. for the past few years pretty pretty closely. Um, the Trent uh, made this kind of small body of work. And uh, they asked me, like, who, do you have an idea for a singer? And I was like, Greg. <laughs> so it was, it was really early on in the Dillinger, um, his career with Dillinger. And he, he did that EP. And it was really cool for very um, early on um, people to see his diversity and stuff like that. I do remember getting at the same time as I got Irony is the Dead Scene. It was around, around 2002. and um, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember like the same – I went to the same record store, and I, they were next to each other, if you like Dillinger type of thing. So, um, but, uh-huh. uh, and then I never, I never really followed up with that. I never, that was all they ever did was that one EP, huh? 
Uh-huh. Oh, I hope yeah. people can find that because, I, I, I mean, I did enjoy the hell out of that. So, uh, back, yeah, it was cool. Back to Dillinger. So, uh, final show, December 29th, Terminal 5 in Manhattan, um, right before the New Year's. So, you guys are making it all the way till the end of 2017. Um, that same day, Kirk Douglas turns 101 years old. So there's a lot of milestones going on here. <laughs> but uh, why did you choose okay. Manhattan? Why did you choose? Uh, uh, is that a spot that Terminal Five that you guys just know is going to be uh, a great venue for this this event? Well, you know it's it's weird in New York. There isn't like a lot of options um, of venues in a certain that are a certain size. You know, it's like. We didn't want to play some giant place that there wouldn't be any intimate vibe. But we also didn't want to heavily limit the amount of people that could come to the shows. So, um, you know, Terminal 5 was kind of that mid-range size venue in New York that we felt um, could accommodate the market for us in, in a place where we've traditionally always loved our shows. It's kind of a home base. Um, and, um, and it's also a place that we felt people could travel to more easily mm-hmm. if they're coming from different places to see the last show. And then, uh, we didn't, we didn't expect it to do three nights initially, but, um, like the demand was there. So we figured let's like try to try to make this, you know, a three day event. Oh yeah. It's going to be excellent, man. So, uh, do, set list wise, I mean, do you guys even talk about that yet or is it like, uh, yeah, we're starting to um, really talk. Yeah, we're starting to really talk about it, and and we probably should have done that earlier. <laughs> um, especially since like you know Kevin's like a newer guy in the band, and and he doesn't know a lot of older songs, and we've probably forgotten most of them. Um, but yeah, we are going to try to to diversify the set list and, and do some special things every night. Every single night, and that, that's another question, like uh, special guests, things like that. Like, what are the odds? That uh, you know, Patton comes out and sings a song mm. with you guys. Uh, if if you're if I'm a betting man, what 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 are my odds? A betting man. Yeah, something. I I do live in Vegas. I don't know if you know that. So, I, I, okay. I am a betting man, unfortunately. <laughs> so. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> and and, you, and you're not homeless, so that's a good sign. No, no, um, I'm a smart betting man. Um, okay, all right. I'm drinking. Okay. <laughs> so you know the formula. Yeah, nobody's a smart um, man when they're drinking. Nobody. Probably not. Yeah. I know. Um, I think it's unlikely, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, he's just not going to be around during those times, but there's always a chance. There's always a chance we could twist his arm, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I figured it was a long shot, but I was like, I got to ask just in case, because I'd, be, yeah. I'd be like, what day is it? What day is he going to come out? You know? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I'd love for it to happen. Um, yeah, no, and we did, and we did perform the EP with him years ago in San Francisco. I saw it on YouTube. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, special. but it would have been, yeah, it would have been nice for for more people to be able to experience that. But it was just that one just time put, you guys played it back then. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a. It was great. He did come out. He did come out um, a couple times when we went through San Francisco and did like a song with us or something, but. How did that even come about, though? So you guys were a newer band. How did Patton say, hey, I'll do the CP with you guys? Did you ever tell that story? I'm sure you did a long time ago, but uh, out of curiosity. Yeah. Well, we um, had just recorded our first full-length record, uh, Calculating Infinity. It was 1999, and Mr. Bongo was doing a tour for their album, California. Yes. 
and we were in the studio finishing up and we got a call from uh, one of the guys at Relast Records. Hey, even been the owner, Matt Jacobson, um, who said that they had talked to the Bungle guys and they were interested in having us open up um, their U.S. tour, which was about two months across the U.S. And it was like kind of last minute. We weren't prepared. We were still finishing up our album, but we're like, yeah, we had to because we were such massive fans. And at that point, that was such an opportunity for us. I mean, um, we were such a small band. So to get in front of new people and also those people be fans of a band like Mr. Bungle um, was just such a great opportunity. So we ended up getting in the van, driving cross country to California and and starting the tour with him, with the band. Um, And one of the first people to hear the album was Mike, because we just had it. Like we had like a a disc or something, you know, of of mixes and we just gave it to him. And um, he was listening to it as I drove around and knowing the rest of the band. Um, but, you know, he, he, he was a fan um, before we, we went on tour with him, obviously, and, uh, by, because he asked us. And then um, I think once he got that album, he became more of a fan. And then we became friendly over the tour and just realized we were, had, we were like-minded. You know, we had a similar creative process and it would make sense at some point to work on something together. Um, so then fast forward to, um, I don't even know when it was a couple of years later. Um, we were in between singers. Um, our first, Dimitri, our first singer, Dimitri had, had moved on and, um, we started recording demos of new songs. And I was just like, Hey, maybe, maybe Mike wants to sing on these. Maybe what we do is we put out an EP in between singers and that's how we keep relevant and keep, um, productive while we're searching for the guy, you know? And we sent Pat in the songs and he said, Hey, if it's something that I feel I could do something over, it makes sense. Uh, I'm down. So we sent them those songs, um, pretty done recorded wise. Uh, and like I think two weeks later, he, he, he hit me back with a, with a demo of him doing vocals on it. So, um, it was that simple really. And that's how Jar of Flies lost its crown right there. <laughs> so, but uh, that's awesome, man. No, it's timing is everything. And it's crazy because I saw Bungle live on the California tour in 99 at, at the House of Blues out here mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. But uh, if mm-hmm. I missed you guys, I kind of hate myself because I, I must have showed up late or something. Uh, yeah, you probably did. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. See, and, I, and I'll be honest, like I, um, I had an Abe the Cop. I had a Nora and Dillinger split. And then I got the uh-huh. Abe the Cop EP. Um, this is how I discovered you guys. Like I said, from this uh-huh. cool record store that we had out here in Vegas. Obviously, it's gone, but mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so I actually would have known who you were when I went to the show because we went out to the bunk. Yeah, which is rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would have been it would have been something cool, and then uh, and then we went out, and yeah, they the fact that you got to see them every night, dude. That show was. Wow, I mean, they killed it. When he sang "Retro Vertigo," the Goosebumps. I had oh boy, yeah, all day, right? So, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that's awesome. I can't believe I missed you guys. Yeah, that was that, that was a learning experience for sure. That was a huge learning experience. Did that kind of influence you when you when you were looking for another singer when Dimitri stepped away? Were you like uh, just watching Pat and tour? Because Greg has that same effect when he's singing. You know, he he gives me that. When I hear mm. something like Milk Lizard. Uh, he'll just, uh-huh. he'll just, you know, hold me same goosebumps. Was that something you were thinking about when you were looking for the singer back then? 
I mean, I think that Patton is the ultimate, like, heavy rock singer guy, you know? But there's very few guys uh, that cover that amount of diversity that are not corny, in my opinion, <laughs> when they sing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, if you're going to have diversity and a lot of vocal range over heavy music, it's really difficult to do that and not kind of, you know, tip into that, like, corny category, corny, corny territory, I guess. <laughs> In my opinion, anyway, um, I'm really, really hard on us and myself and what we put out there. So I think we just needed to have someone who we knew could um, not only do what we did in the past, but like step up to the plate with what we were doing as Mike. And then on top of that, also take us somewhere new. So, um, yeah, we definitely were pretty... Um, specific about the level of person we needed in the band and then when you guys got greg i mean it did change uh for for uh, the fans and stuff like that his stage show was dangerous his vocals mm -hmm. you know like you i mean you've been sitting down at shows because you've broken so many bones your stage show has always been dangerous so that's why it's like the final shows people are like all right is something crazy gonna happen you know <laughs> like because you guys have set that bar where fire might fly into the crowd you know <laughs> like things like that um but uh I, I i i just hope and i don't know if you guys are planning on documenting these and putting them out on like a dvd mm -hmm. or something like that because i have a uh i only have one dvd of you guys and i'm sure if i look on youtube but it was like a relapse reanimation festival right and sure enough, uh -huh. Greg's shooting out the fire, you know, in this small, like, uh, uh, Philadelphia venue. I don't remember what it was, but um, that's the only one I have. And then I mm -hmm. have, like, uh, you know, Mish Machine came with a DVD, little ones like that. But I'm talking about a full live yeah. thing. Is that something you guys are planning on doing? Or have you guys been documenting the whole final year? Um, we have a lot of documentation. Um, what we don't have a lot is, like, behind-the-scenes type stuff is because, we're like, we're pretty private. Yeah. Um, we don't like punishers walking around following us with cameras while we're trying to like, you know, relax and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and we also kind of are, it's a tough one, you know? And, and, um, it's interesting. Like even Greg and I were discussing like a meet and greet and stuff like that. Cause we don't really do that kind of stuff either, you know? Um, and it's a tough one because like we're the type of band where our fans mean everything to us. We want to give them what they want, but we also believe in, you know, the old school kind of like there needs to be some mystery, you know, it's taking something away from the, from the fans. If, if you don't give them that magic, you know, like we had when we were younger. Um, and, um, you know, I, I didn't know everything about the bands I loved except for what I read about them in the Rolling Stones or, you know, or very few special, like MTV special with Metallica or something, you know, yeah. I didn't know, um, what they ate for breakfast or, you know, whatever, you know? So, um, and some of that made rock and roll like super special to me. It was magic, you know, like, um, so we're always torn between like, the idea of like the art is the art. What we produce is what we produce and that's enough. We don't need to like create all kinds of like auxiliary products, you know, Yeah. but also saying, Hey, you know, this is, um, nobody buys music. 
So, you know, creating products around our music is how you survive. And it's what people want. And it's okay that they want that, like, instead of a CD or something like that. That's okay. Um, so we're always in debate over that stuff. And sometimes that gets in the way of us actually making anything. <laughs> you just can't settle it. So to answer your question, I guess, um, we are talking, we are going to try and document everything and, uh, well, and we'll see what happens with it, what we'll do with it. We're not sure what we'll do with it yet. And what you just said though, is I think what's affecting a lot of rock music and metal music is that when we were at a certain age, like, like when you saw Trent Reznor on a stage or Marilyn Manson mm-hmm. or Maynard from Tool, they were inaccessible, mm-hmm. like right. pictures for anything like that. Obviously, with camera phones and all these things, everybody's going to be documented by anybody, you know, all the time now. But sure. that uh, mythos of it felt special to be in a room with these guys, you know, where yeah. That, that and that was something that with that element was always very important to rock and metal and 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 the music yeah. was creating the the you know the emotions that came with it and now that that right. is not there anymore a lot mm-hmm. of it's, i think it's harder to um i guess sell it to to people at a certain point i guess you know if yeah. if you get into the scene at a young age, you're good, you know. But the older you get, yeah. if you have if it, if that bug didn't hit you early, it's it's mm-hmm. a tough thing, you know. So I I, I do really like that um, separation, you know. Yeah. Um. And a lot exactly. of exactly a lot of the guys, like you were saying, like even like uh, someone that when I was growing up, like the say like a Phil Anselmo type, like he was scary, you know. I was frightened. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? And then yeah. As the years go by, he was kind of a caricature of himself right. because of the way, exactly. you know, cameras captured him and all those things. Yeah, yeah. Now he looks like kind of like a lovable, goofy bear, you know, where I'm like, no, that guy, I no, absolutely. rip my head off, you know. Um, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, that is important. I do. And you guys do have that now that I think about it. Like, you know, I am intimidated by Greg and you, you know, because because of what I yeah. see on stage. I'm like, no, nah, he might hit me with a guitar, but that's good. <laughs> that's good it's not true but it's, it's a good it's a good feeling and so yeah yeah and, and but that's the hard debate you know yeah. like do we i mean i i really you know we don't like i said we don't like to do like all kinds of meet and greets and cd signings and stuff like that we don't um and you know with these last shows there's obviously opportunities to do vip meet and greets and all kinds of stuff and really optimize this up last opportunities for us to like pay some bills, honestly, off of this band and also give our fans that chance to take that picture or ask us a question they maybe always wondered or, and, um, you know, part of me is like, that's what they want. You know, they're not, they're not like the people from the, from the nineties that like, you know, felt that way. They're, they're going to think you're a douche if you don't do it. Not they, they don't think you a douche if you do do it. They think you're a douche if you don't do it. You know. Yeah, our time um, is gone. So that time is a little bit. At times, it's a different time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different time. It's a, just a different time. Um, so yeah, so that's an interesting question about just. I mean, it's something that Greg and I talk about a lot. You know, and I think there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I, I I think either way, like as far as fans go, you guys are fine either way. But you're right as far as like, yeah. do you deserve to optimize on all the hard work and everything you've given us for the years? A hundred percent, you know. So that is a tough, that's a tough call for sure, man. But if I learned anything 
in the last few years from such bands as At The Gates or Refused or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, if you guys decide, you know, I'm not saying anything's going to happen to come back in like 10 years, your fan base might be quadruple. You know, so because they uh, the myth it rises through the years. You know, when people yeah. have something, they want it so bad. Mm. You know, um, and yeah. so and and that's the thing is like, yeah, we can't have Dillinger anymore. It's gonna it's just gonna make me want to listen more and more and more and more, and then make me want to fly out when I have more money when I'm older. That's supposed to happen Maybe. too, apparently, right? I'm supposed to be richer. I guess. <laughs> I, guess. So. I, uh, I I will say. Um, that I know that I can't speak for any of the other guys. Like I, I just know that, um, you know, I was the first one to make the call that I think we should, should this should be our last album and our last run. And, um, you know, uh, I, I definitely did not do that with the intention of like trying to come back in four years or five years or three years or six years even. And like, you know, bank on this band, you know, um, the goal is to then and, move on and achieve new things, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, and I do understand that as well. Uh, yeah. and, and, and completely like in no way am I trying to, to push that agenda. It's just one of those. No, things no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, look, it's obviously, I mean, look, yeah. even, you know, people in the band are like, dude, if we come back, it's going to be huge, you know? And I'm just like, I don't even have it in my mind. Nice. You know, like I'm enjoying this moment. Like I'm in the moment. Uh, like this is a celebration of 20 years for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's of, uh, 20, 20 years of starting it, how I wanted to and ending it, how I wanted to, you know? Um, so, and uh, so yeah, no, no critic, no, 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 uh, offense by like that, that comment. It's, it's, it's certainly something that everybody talks about all the time, especially with the things like refused and, and all that. And at the drive-in and all these reunions, uh, yeah, there's another one. Like Faith No More, I remember I saw them on their last tour back in 97, mm-hmm. and Limp Bizkit opened for them. And I was at a, a, a venue called The Huntridge out here in Vegas, and there was maybe 150 people there. Like, I remember thinking, What? Yeah, I'm not, this, this is not a, I'm not making that up. There was maybe 150 Wait. people there. Faith No More and Limp Bizkit in 97. 150 people. I swear, I'm not making it up. On the Album of the Year tour. And they killed it, right? And then when the reunion happened, uh, I had to go to L.A. to see it, but I mean packed to the brim. And it was about, you know, yeah. and, and that's what happens with, uh, you know, with, with time is that, like, the great ones, the ones that are first, the ones that were really special don't go away just because they're not yeah. active, you know. Um, they, they remain in our hearts, and then we keep pushing them to our children, you know. And you have. Right, you yeah. Know, and you have kids, and and I mean, I doubt you're gonna. No offense, I doubt you're gonna push disturbed on them. You know, <laughs> you know, you're gonna, nah, my my kid or my kids already listen to rap music. <laughs> oh, they do. Your, your kids are good. I hear. I, I just talked to to like Nick from Paradise Lost, and he said like, his kids won't even listen to his band. And I'm like, oh, that sucks, man. That's yeah, I'm embarrassed. But my five year old stepson always wants to listen to to Dillinger. That's awesome, man. No and then, like, you know, moment. He didn't. He didn't get into that. I'm fat. I'm fat stuff yet. No, he's, he's straight. Nah, straight. man. Ooh. No, it's it's basically Dillinger right now. His playlist is Dillinger, uh, the Gorillas. Um, what else does he like? I think he's like the Prodigy and uh, and Ghostbusters. 
<laughs> that makes sense. I was like, there's got to be something yeah. in there that's going to be like just the Ghostbusters song is big. Yeah, that, exactly. that one's big. That's good, man. That's yeah. my fear. I got a, I got a kid. He's almost two, and uh, okay. I play him. I mean, for some reason, anytime like uh, I will, I'll, I'll be watching like this Metal Mayhem thing on on uh, MTV uh-huh. Classics, and anytime like a Queen's right goes on, he stops in his tracks and does like this weird dance. Or like a, <laughs> if Darkest Hour is playing on the on the thing, yeah. he'll run in a circle. So I'm like, no, he's getting it, but he's two, right? Yeah. And then my, yeah. my lady will put on, and she's gonna, you know, be mad at me. Death Cab for Cutie. He'll stare at her like she's right. You know, like, like what is this? What is yeah. this, this? I'm not sad. I'm two. You know. So I'm th- yeah. I'm thinking I got him, man. But I, it's like people are like, just wait, just wait. It's all gonna be it right. Right. bitch. It's all gonna be Justin Bieber, and I'm like, no. I mean, not if you don't play it for me. Yeah, there you go. Your options. <laughs> I don't know. Your options are Darkest Hour and Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> yeah, you got You got to. You got to limit there. <laughs> they don't get to hear what they want, just like they don't get to eat what they want until they're eighteen. <laughs> I, I like that until they're eighteen. <laughs> no McDonald's with you for you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so in that transition for me, uh, I I just turned thirty six. So for me, my first kid, I was thirty five, and uh, uh-huh. it's. Uh, I didn't know how bad I needed and wanted it until I had that little worm in my hand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I was yeah. so glad I wasn't too young not to stop in real life. Because like, I think if I had uh-huh. been younger, I would have been moving too fast and wanting to do too, too much. Now that I'm stable. It's like you know what? That's so hard. true, man. Yeah. It, I, I'm so on the same page with that. And it blows my mind that people in our parents' generations were having kids at like 20, 21 because – I knew nothing at that age. Like I, I, I was incapable of being a good parent at that age, you know, like thinking back. Yeah. And, um, and I feel like so grateful to be like 40 and raising children, like was just so much more evolved and like so much more insight of what's important and all that stuff, you know, it, and- it's, it's, it's yeah, right. And it, it shows you, like, for me, like, the first thing I realized, I'm like, when there's all these things, like, that are happening in the country that are, people aren't unhappy with, I'm like, you know what I can control? Yeah. I can control this kid's bringing up. The change happens to yeah. me teaching him right, and that's all I can control. And then if he grows right. up with that, and everybody just took care of their kids, and, and like I said, it wasn't the burden of all the things that kind of happened with it. That stuff uh-huh. just slowly change and evolve, right? And that's and I didn't right. realize that until I saw him. Like, no, this is not. Yeah. This is this is a this is an atom bomb that can change everything as long as uh-huh. I'm always patient and I'm always smart and I, I don't you know yeah. and things like that. And and you're right. At 20, I probably watch the kid drunk. You know, I, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying. I'm yeah, no, being honest. no, but yeah, no, you definitely. Yeah, yeah. I would have probably just been like I. You know, this kid's keeping me from doing what I want to do, and yeah. like I probably wouldn't have. <clears throat> like, why is this fucking five-year-old spilling shit on the floor? You know, exactly. What's yeah. wrong with this? What's wrong with this retard? You know, <laughs> <laughs> why is he not like talking to me like a per- like an adult? You know, yeah. Um, Ghostbusters song. What kid? You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, here's here's some hate breed. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, but yeah, dude. Man. So same funny. page, and that's that's something I try to sell to to all the all my friends. I'm like, you guys don't know you, don't know you. Yeah, because on paper, let, kids let me ask kids. you this. Yeah, <laughs> not to like make this into like parent hour, but oh, I was gonna um, do that. I, I warned I warned the boss. I'm, like, I'm gonna talk about music for a while, but we're going parent hour because yeah. you just you're in the same boat I'm kind of in right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah like. 
so I just had a baby too, and um, I gotta say, I did not really love it at first. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not gonna be one of those guys who like I saw it right away, and I was just like my heart exploded. I was like, this is cool. This is super cool. Like this, this thing just saw like light for the first time and opened its eyes. That's very interesting. But it's a potato. Like it's just like googly eyes, looking all over the place, doesn't know shit. I'm like, and then one day it snapped, and I was like, I love her like more than anything. Like, it's like I miss her all the time. Like I want to hang out with her all the time. And um, I just thought that it was it was interesting because I like people. Uh, and I had one person, my brother-in-law, told me that he's like, "Don't worry if you're not like immediately like, you know." have the same feeling your wife has. She's like held the baby in her stomach for nine, ten months, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was an interesting thing for me to, uh, to experience that, you know, just kind of like learning all about that. You know? When that gumless smile looks at you and that little warm head and you don't even yeah. know if it's on purpose, <laughs> yeah, it's over. Cause you're the well, only person and she's yeah. not going to remember that dude. You're the only no. person, you and, and your lady, that are going to remember all these moments till about like three or four. Yeah. And that's where your connection is going to grow real strong. But they're going to be like eight, nine probably, not remember any of that. But you get it all. Yeah. Only you. That's so special. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like that's when it first starts to happen. When you first see that like maybe social smile, yeah. you're not sure. It might might be gas, but you're going to take it as she meant it. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Like, yeah. And you're just like so excited, you know. So excited. <laughs> Dude, everything, the crawl backwards, the first time you fell yeah. out of the bed, down the stairs. Mm-hmm. stairs. <laughs> that actually yeah, happened. Like, I know. Down it. the stairs, dude. I, I, I mean, I How old? He was 10 months, man. Damn. Yeah, it was like 15 steps. He, he, he ran away from me crawling out of the master bedroom, and then his butt mm-hmm. just missed the step, and I ran after him, but you can't catch and it, it yeah. looked, and I made a noise like "baby," like it, my voice. What my lady said, she's like, "I never want to hear that panic in your voice again." I was freaking right, out. Yeah. So I picked him up and ran to the yeah. hospital. They're like, "No, he's fine. Everything's fine." I'm like, "Can you? Yeah. Him? Can you like, like? Yeah, felt like a true fan. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, so, it's scary, man. The other, yeah, that stuff happens. <laughs> I saw my baby like fall off the bed the other day. Not high, but like. Just, it's fine, but there's like a thump. You hear the <laughs> and you know it's a kid. Yeah. You're like, ooh, that's a kid. You're like, man, that that just looked like like a like like a puppet or like a just like bleh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and then it's uh, just weird. And, yeah, man, I can do this all day. So, and I, I and that's what I say. Yeah. I, like new 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 dads. People always told this is what they told me, and I'll get off of it. I know, but they're always like, "Oh, you're yeah. gonna be up all the time. It's gonna be miserable. Uh-huh. You're not gonna do anything uh-huh. anymore." And I'm like, "Shut the fuck up, man. Yeah, keep it positive. All right. I don't say yeah. anything negative about my kid. And you know, uh-huh. from when my lady was pregnant, I go, "Be positive. Don't do that to me. Uh-huh. I'm not scared." Yeah, yeah. And then sure enough everything has been exactly how I knew it would be like, because I want it and, and all that stuff just golden, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. People totally. tend to always shit on things cause it's not for them. I, I don't know. But anyways, right. Right. Like kids, no, man. they deserve better. I've seen kids that like change people, you know, who I thought were just like, would never live like an unselfish life. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is amazing. You know, you and uh, it's cool. And I've also tried not to be like like we're doing it right now, but one of those parents that just wants to talk about 
keep being a parent to people who don't have kids. Like that's punishing. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, um, we could but, uh, we could check in on Gra- Giraffe Tongue Orchestra right now and get off it if you want. You know, <laughs> how are you guys doing with that? Band? But yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it was really great. Um, it's not really active. Um, no, but it's it was something that it was something I wanted to do for a long time. Me and Brent just really wanted to accomplish it yeah. and make an, a band together. And um, and it was really hard with schedules and all kinds of things. And then we finally made it happen, and we we're really happy with it. So. And let's it is what it is. William Duvall, though, okay? That guy did the impossible. If anybody's seen Allison Chan <laughs> in the last 10 years, you're like, uh, yeah, amazing. Anybody yeah. puts black, you know, I'm just saying, like, black gives way to blue. Uh-huh. I forgot the name. Uh-huh. He somehow made it work with the change. Yeah, that was not easy. That's not easy. And he looks so calm and cool the whole time. No panic. Yeah, man. Well, that's why we like wanted him to be in the band because it's like um, I know people throw the word supergroup around, but it's like um, the truth is it's just a bunch of people we've run into throughout the years that were just really good at what they do, and um, it, and like, hey, you want you want jam? You want jam? Let's do it, you know. And um, the fact that he did step into those shoes and do so well made me really interested to see what he would do not sing me over Alice in Chains, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, and his voice is different on that record. Like, it, you, you hear, like, a lot more, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It's just a lot more, uh, I don't want to say higher, but it's just uh-huh. a different range on the on the yeah. GTO songs, you know, uh, than, than on yeah. the Alice in Chains songs. Because there's parts where I'm like, whoa, whoa, this guy, he's knocking it out of the Yeah, I just think more, more freedom, I think, probably, so. So, dude, that uh, excellent. So let me just, uh, and then I, we got to touch base uh, before I let you go. I know we've gone a little bit long here, but uh, on Godmother, the record's yeah. October 20th. Um, I heard the song Week, I believe it was. That's, mm-hmm. that's my only experience with them, digging that tune a lot. Okay. But uh, you said this is a passing of the torch, and I'm assuming the Dillinger Escape Plan torch. Yeah, when I say that, I don't mean like they sound like Dillinger. Okay. No, no. I, I, I want to. Yeah, which is something that people ask me all the time. Like, who's going to fill this space of Dillinger? And I'm like, probably a band that doesn't necessarily sound like Dillinger, but just has that attitude that we had when we started, which is like, and what I see in this band is a group of guys who take advantage of every opportunity to, like, just bring it 110%. Like, Every time I see them play, they win every single person over because it's they they look they come off so honest, you know. And that's all we ever wanted to do was be a band. It didn't seem like a gimmick; that just seemed like honest, natural, free expression. And um, whether we did or not, like you know, that's something that I've always looked at in other bands, looked for in other bands, whatever genre. And this is one of those bands, one of the new bands that I was like. I heard the album and I was like, wow, this new album, this new music's really great. Um, and then I asked them if they wanted to play some of the shows with us in Europe because they're from Sweden. And they did. And I was like, man, these guys are mesmerizing. And like, I just, the energy coming off that stage and the person, like, they just seem like, um, they're not doing, it's not them trying to do some other band they like. You know, it's definitely, I get the impression that it's, 
four individuals that all have their own thing that come together and make something great. And I, and that's usually what makes great bands to me. Dude. Yes. That, that definitely it. So, uh, Ben, I want to thank you first. Let me promote a couple things. Uh, guys do sure. not miss the last Dillinger escape plan show terminal five, December 29th. Uh, is it thir- uh, the three days or is it December 29th, 30 and 31 or. It? Yeah, it's, it's the 27th, 28th, and 29th, Sorry, actually. 27th, 28th, 29th, guys. 5, yeah. Manhattan. I got to see you guys five times in my lifetime. I just found out almost six, but uh, <laughs> I missed you guys on <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Bungle Tour. And, uh, right. and I'm telling you right now, every time, whether it's opening for Soulfly, whether it's whatever, at the beauty bar out here, you guys, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a memory I'll forget, dude. Um, and then you just mentioned something about how you guys were always trying to be honest and all those things. I'll tell you from a fan's perspective. 20 years following you guys you succeeded on every level you always gave out oh, thank you the music that pushed the boundaries for us as listeners and your live shows every time left a huge impression and that is very hard so um your legacy will will show that there's no doubt about it so um yeah guys if you haven't heard the Giraffe tongue orchestra record i know it's not an active band but it's a great record make sure you check that out and mark your calendars for october 20th godmother party smasher inc is the label guys um and uh ben you keep being an awesome dad man that's all that matters to me now i'll try yeah yeah that's the most important it is great i'm gonna do my part i promise i'm gonna make my kid know and change will happen with our generation my friend so yeah man just keep doing what you're doing it sounds like you're a very good dad, and that's that's the best uh, accomplishment you can have. I'm going to record that and say, this is what Ben Wyman said about me, kid. <laughs> and I'm going to play that to him every night. Yeah. So, excellent, dude. So, uh, thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. No Cool. Thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, we're, we stopped recording, but hey, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, great talk, and uh, I'm keeping all that dad stuff in, just so you know, man. I uh, Yeah, that's cool. I, <laughs> Why I'm, not? I'm all about it, dude. So, uh, but again, yeah, dude. That's awesome. You're, you guys are a hero of mine, so it's a it's a big deal to, uh, to have the chat with you, man. So uh, thank you so much, man. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for doing it and always supporting, really. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome, brother. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Sucks Podcast.
We got we got we there's you know a lot what I liked about dad him? talk there, but it's okay. You know what I like about him? He said bye bye. 
like to finish it all off. He he's said like, bye bye. He's like bye bye. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I like that guy. I like, I like that. Bye bye. So the songs we heard, we didn't we didn't play a Dillinger track because we want to promote uh, the newest record from that we did talk about, Godmother, which comes out October 20th. Uh, that's the first song you heard. That track is called Weak. The record is called Vilsiled. All right. Vilsaled, and I think I said that right. And so that's out uh, October 20th, guys, on Power Party Smasher Inc. Check out this band, Godmother. They really are uh, a real special band, really dig it. And the second song we played, I'm all about this uh, band out of Seattle. It's a duo. Uh, Metal Sucks actually premiered one of their songs called Monsturbator a couple weeks back. The band's called Hobosexual. Their third record, I believe, is called Monolith. That's coming out November 3rd. And the song we play is Trans Am Sunday. So two fresh new songs for you guys this week just to kind of break things up a little bit. So and, and that's it, guys, for this week's episode of Metal Sucks. Want to thank you always for listening. The five-star reviews keep coming in on that iTunes, which is really cool, you guys. We really appreciate that. And um, that's going to be it for this week. Brandon, got anything? Brandon, nope. Jocelyn <laughs> shop. Since I'm not in the, the intro, follow me on, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, guys yeah. are allowed to tell people to follow you oh, on, yeah, your I'm social on Instagram. Media. At yeah. your, Don't follow Gooch, follow me. Okay. At your buddy Gooch is mine. No, his uh, sucks. And Mine's Jocelyn's good. Jocelyn's is at Gooch's friend. Uh, <laughs> go fuck yourself. And Pete doesn't have social media. So. <laughs> he hates it. He thinks it's a devil. Anyways. All right, guys. Till next week. Metal Sucks out. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.